Georgia Week continues on Too Close to Call. I have with me today Stephen Lawson, who's the president and CEO of Battleground Strategies in Georgia, but actually is a Florida native, and that's where you began your career, I believe, if I'm reading the bio right, with Rick Scott, who has been in the news as of late. <laughs> uh, you were on his reelect, and then you moved into the government. Is that correct? Is that how you cut your teeth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I actually started um, kind of working at the state party in 2012 and then, yeah, transitioned over to over to then governor, now uh, Senator Rick Scott's uh, reelection campaign in 2014, doing communication stuff for him. Uh, worked for about a year in his official office um, doing speech writing and uh, research and, and a lot of those sorts of things. And then uh, yeah, then uh, worked uh, in his administration for the next three years doing business development stuff, uh, worked for Enterprise Florida, which is the business development agency for the state, as well as Visit Florida, uh, the tourism agency, um, and had a really great job and then uh, got a phone call about this guy named Ron DeSantis. And, uh, I've heard of him. And th the rest is, uh, as they say, a little bit of history. So, so yeah, the 2018 race one of my favorite races to cover because I got it wrong. It was the two races I got wrong in 2018. I thought uh, Gillum was going to win and I thought Scott Walker was going to win. Everything else I, I nailed, but those two I got wrong. Did you guys really think, be honest, did you really think you're going to win that race in the closing weeks? You thought to send, like, yeah. the campaign felt like they were going to win. Yeah, I, I did. Um, you know, and, and look, but I mean, it was tough. I, I mean, I think we knew we knew that it was going to be close. Uh, I think that's that's a fair statement. Um, but, you know, all of the polls, especially I mean, looking back on it, you know, just how wrong so yeah. many of those polls were. I mean, it was like Gillum plus seven and plus five. I mean, we're and we're talking like a week out. And I'm just like, there, there's just there's no way um, knew it would be close. Um but yeah, I mean that was that was a, a roller coaster whirlwind uh, of a campaign for sure. Um, you know, really obviously uh, happy that we came out on the right side of that. And I think it, when we talk about races that have generational consequences, potentially, uh, I mean, you certainly that's that's nearer at the top of the list. Yeah, I think if 2016 was the flashing lights about polling being wrong in specific states that 2018 race in Florida was the actual fire because I remember Quinnipiac, especially having like a huge Gillum lead at the end. Most now I didn't think it was ever going to be five points. That's a blowout in Florida as we know, but um, that I think that race really, I think it also showed maybe you have an insights on this showed really the right word turn in Florida. I mean, we saw it 2016 with Trump 2018 and obviously this year, I mean, it's now that it's really off the map, but, but 2018 was like the precursor to that. Right. And, and DeSantis sort of making that state redder than it even had been before. Yeah, absolutely. And and the best way that I explained it to people, obviously coming from Florida and then moving to Georgia, you know, those talk about two States that were, as you pointed out in 2016 in, in very similar positions, Right. Um, you know, in, in 2018, both gubernatorial races were, again, very close, sub 50,000 
uh, vote wins uh, for Governor Santos and, and Brian Kemp. And, you know, but I, I think really the X factor there was, you know, in Florida, you had this sort of really building demise of the Democratic Party in Florida. Um, you know, if you talk to anybody down there, uh, just such a weak bench, weak candidates, weak fundraising, you know, uh, coupled with the fact that you had, you know, I, I think, you know, former Governor Scott and the infrastructure there that had been built, but also in the legislature, uh, you know, had sort of contributed to that. But in Georgia, you really had a, a, a little bit of the opposite. You know, you had you had, obviously we have a very different demographic makeup here. You know, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta suburbs continuing to get, um, you know, more y- younger voters, more minority voters. Right. So that that demographic. But you also had really, you know, the X factor in Stacey Abrams, who had really laid a lot right. of the groundwork to build that out, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and we can talk more about that, but I, I think that that was sort of the two turns. Now, um, you know, Georgia's, I, I think will continue to be a purple state. Um, you know, I think, uh, governor camp, obviously to see what he did, um, you know, he is, he is far and away the political leader of the state and, and showed that candidates matter, building the infrastructure matter, r- running, positive, really strong campaigns matter, but uh, certainly a lot of credit on the other side in Florida to to what um, Governor DeSantis has done uh, in terms of the political makeup of the state. Yeah, it, it really has flipped. Florida now red, Georgia in the trajectory, getting bluer, just trajectory, but really is the battleground state and probably will be for the next two, three cycles, will determine the presidency in the way that Florida used to, you know, a decade ago. Uh, or more, actually, uh, than a decade ago. The irony in this is, I think, you know, Stacey Abrams built all the infrastructure, but hasn't benefited herself. It, you know, Warnock is now seemed to be benefiting from m- most of that. We'll see. We'll see what happens come Tuesday. Um, but let's just stay in chronological order. You then you do the, the the 2018 race. It's successful. It's a big win for DeSantis, for Florida, for yourself. You then move. To Georgia, the new battleground state, and work for Kelly Loeffler, right? In her in her yep. twenty twenty race, can you s- say how that race was different than the race you're involved in right now? Uh, yeah, where to where to start? Uh, you know, <laughs> I joke with people. Uh, you could write a book about this, but uh, Greg Bluestein's already done that uh, pretty well. Um, look, so, so different. Um, you know, but but what I would say is the the biggest difference is, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, I think that is um, in so many ways, um, you know, looking back on on Kelly's time, not just in the Senate, but that campaign uh, and then the fallout from 2020 and then heading into 2021, those runoffs, you know, that that is my biggest takeaway looking back is that is that just so much of everything was dominated by Donald Trump. Um, you know, in a way that it doesn't feel like this campaign is, um, you know, certainly there are, uh, and, you know, we can talk about all of the other variables and differences, but, but that's where I would start, you know, and, and Kelly, I, I will continue to say, I, I am proud of how far she came uh, and the work that she has continued to do with, with her voter outreach efforts with greater Georgia. 
Um, you know, but, but she got a, she just got a really tough, tough hand to play. Um, you know, when you think about, um, you know, uh, kind of getting tossed in the deep end, having to stand up an official office, having to stand up a campaign for somebody that's never done this right. And then the stock story hit, you know, which, you know, I, you know, will continue to contend until I die was, was just a concocted narrative, um, you know, uh, for her, um, and, uh, you know, dealt with that, came out of that, but continued to have to deal with a very tough primary, right. With a very hard fought primary against Doug Collins, uh, you know, and then get to the runoff somehow. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that in, in terms of that, that was two sides of one coin. I think on the one hand, you saw, you know, Donald Trump telling people it's rigged now go vote. Right. It turns out that's not a winning uh, yeah. message. And on the other side, you have Stacey Abrams again, to your point, building that infrastructure, um, you know, and, and voter outreach. And, and that was unclear display. And she, she is a huge reason why John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock uh, are, are in the Senate. Um, and so that, that's, that's where I would start in terms of the differences, I think. So you're working for the Herschel Walker Super PAC now. Yeah. Walker finished 37,000 votes behind Warnock in the first round of voting. What has the Super PAC done? What is the Super PAC doing to close that gap, that hole that Walker yeah. begins in? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? The first thing I, uh, you know, I kind of want to be clear, 37,000 votes in, in my mind in this state is not a lot. Um, you know, so I, I think kind of starting there, but, you know, what we've been doing, you know, kind of in, in the general election is, is really trying to focus on, you know, Raphael Warnock's voting record, his, his ties to Joe Biden, uh, you know, and all of these, you know, kitchen top issue, tabletop issues that we're seeing, right. Inflation, all of these things. Um, Joe Biden has one of the worst approval ratings, uh, in Georgia, you know, in Georgia, anywhere in the country, really. And so I think that's one of the things we've been doing. But specifically in the runoff, you know, we have polling that uh, that that we did that showed um, two things. Um, Donald Trump's image uh, in Georgia among voters who voted in the general election and plan to vote in the runoff. Uh, his favorable image was 36. His unfavorable image was 58. Uh, I believe uh, Brian Kemp's image was 60 favorable, 33 unfavorable. Uh, And that just shows you the disparity there. So the key for us, really, one of the big keys is to leaning into Brian Kemp's popularity, leaning into his endorsement of Herschel. You know, they held a rally. Uh, We've done a number of mail pieces uh, to our target universe with Brian Kemp's endorsement, encouraging people to get out and vote for Herschel Walker. Um, to me, that is if if Herschel ends up being successful, uh, I think a lot of a lot of the credit uh, will have to go to to Brian Kemp and some of the efforts that that we've been doing. I talked to Democrats earlier this week on the podcast. They feel better about this race in the runoff than they did in the general. They feel that now that the Senate isn't on the line. Republicans don't have as much incentive to come out. It's not about saving the Senate. Even if Herschel Walker wins this seat, Chuck Schumer is still the majority leader. 
uh, next year for another two years. Um, do you when you look at the early vote numbers, and we've got eight hundred thousand, more than eight hundred thousand votes banked now. What do you see out of that? Do you, do you feel that that Democrats are overconfident, or do you see something different when you look at the the early vote and the overall dynamics of where the runoff sits? Yeah, well, a couple things. I mean, uh, I learned a long time ago in this business, you know, never to get uh, too up or too down, especially when it comes to early voting, but especially because this election is is so incredibly unique david i mean there's we're talking about four weeks over a holiday right uh after a major major election which hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent so that's one thing um but what i would say is you know for us going into it we knew uh based on trends right that the democrats they always performed very well in the first few days of early voting. We know that. Uh, and, and what I've said is that that case will continue to play out in, in early voting for this election. And, and, but the pendulum is going to swing even more uh, that way. Uh, and it has, um, you know, the, the Democrats obviously, uh, you know, way overperformed Republicans in the first couple of days, Saturday, Sunday, and, and, uh, to a lesser degree Monday, but, but, uh, you know, I believe they still won the day. Um, but yesterday was the first day that, uh, based on our modeling Republicans won. The question becomes, um, does the pendulum swing that far mm-hmm. back our way in these last few days? Uh, and by how much, and then on top of that, I, I think, you know, one thing that's impossible to tell is what does election day look like? Who is actually going to show up for this election, um, you know, and and so there's reasons, certainly, I would say, for the Democrats to feel good about the first couple of days that they had. But I would also say that there's there are signs of hope for us uh, and 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 metrics to feel good about, and the fact that there are far more Republican voters left out there that are three and four and four and four uh, traditional voters that mm-hmm. we still have. So. It seems like to me, I was looking at the numbers uh, today and comparing the Georgia map and and Warnock, where he did well against Walker versus the Loeffler race. And I've noticed in some of the rural areas in the southern part of the state, he had um, some tapering off of support. And it just seems to me like DeKalb, those counties around Atlanta, they're so juiced for the Dems now. I mean, they get, you know, 75, 80 percent of the vote. But it seems like the rural areas, which is, you know, where Trump came up or his success was, it seems like that's where Walker would have an opportunity to to lift those numbers a bit. I'm thinking outside of Savannah and the eastern part, outside of Columbus and the western part of the state. What do you think of that? I mean, is that where where Walker has an opportunity to, to, to peel off more votes? Are you guys doing anything to target sort of outside Atlanta, downstate, southern Georgia? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a really good point. You know, we know, obviously, that those metro Atlanta counties are going to go big for Democrats. The The path um, to Republicans winning, the path to Herschel Walker winning, 
is to ensure that those rural counties and particularly those exurban counties in northern uh, metro Atlanta, uh, you know, we're talking about Cherokee County, Hall County, Forsyth County, those yeah. counties really, really turn out. Uh, and and in your act, absolutely spot on. In, in 2021, uh, Warnock and Ossoff's margins uh you know, we're, we're slightly better. And, and, you know, I vividly remember it, you know, on January 5th, you know, watching the vote totals come in from those counties. And in each one, you know, Kelly and, and Purdue were performing about a point or two worse in those counties compared to November. And, you know, for your listeners at home, you may say, well, that doesn't matter. They're rural. The problem is Georgia has 159 counties. Yeah, and so huge. when you add up all of those margins, right, that makes a difference. That's the opportunity, I think, in front of Herschel is to really run up the score in those places. Um, and look, a, lo- a lot of those people, you know, you and I know, didn't come back out in 2021 because they were told that, you know, it was rigged, right? It didn't matter. Yep. Um, there was significant voter suppression, self-voter suppression on our side. Um, and, and that's part of the reason that led to that. We don't have that this time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I want to make make that clear. Republican voters don't believe that anymore. They believe this election matters. You think they're coming out. They're not dissuaded by the runoff like they were in 2021. That's right. Yeah, that, that's the feeling that I get. Um, now, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Right. Um, but but there's not all of this stop the steal, you know, rigged election kind of election denialism surrounding the election. And that makes me feel much better about um, Herschel's chances. To the Georgian who says I'm conservative, I don't like Warnock's record. I don't like the spending in Washington to hell with Biden. But I'm embarrassed by Herschel Walker and. I don't think he's qualified to be a U.S. senator. How would you argue to that person to vote for Walker? Yeah, what I would argue is, are you more embarrassed uh, by that or by what you're seeing at the gas pump, what you're seeing at the grocery store, what you're seeing at the southern border with hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming across, what you're seeing you know, on the global stage, uh, in terms of the strength of our country, all of those things, you know, uh, to me, that is a, that is a when we're talking about a 50-50 Senate. And, and there's obviously been a lot of conversation, right? This isn't for control of the Senate. And, and Democrats have, you know, to your point, used that sort of as a potential narrative builder. Um, you know, but at, at the same time, you could argue the, the reverse of that, right? Last time, you know, with two seats, uh, you know, everything was on the line for both parties. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and, and I still I, I just believe that the the direction of the, the country, what people are feeling sort of in their everyday lives, um, you know, of course, you know, in, any person, you know, we're not going to sit here and argue that Herschel Walker has not had his stumbles and, and, and troubles. Um, but I think that Warnock's uh, voting record, what he stands for, what he's going to do uh, in Washington is is worse. Uh, it's worse for our state. It's worse for our country. And I think that's why you're seeing Brian Kemp, right, of all people, lean in heavily uh, for Herschel this go around because he knows that. And again, his ad says this, you know, Herschel's going to vote for Georgia. Raphael Warnock's going to vote for Joe Biden. 
Walker was sort of a done deal when Trump endorsed him. But do you think there is a better Republican candidate available than Herschel Walker? I don't know. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, you know, it, it, to your point, it was a done deal. You know, Herschel Walker had nothing to do with, or you know, Donald Trump had nothing to do with Herschel Walker's success. I mean, he's a household name. Um, you know, in 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 this state for sure. Um, so you know, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to play you know Monday morning quarterback yet because uh, I think I still obviously believe Herschel's got a, a really good shot at winning. So. Um, you know, that's what I'm focused on at this point. Okay. Um, two more questions. One, yeah. do you think, I mean, looking at where the race stands now, we don't know what the outcome is going to be Tuesday, but just the comp- the political composition of Georgia, your intelligence there, working several races, knowing that in 2024, this will be a battleground state. Is there anything Republicans you think right now, again, putting aside the the what we know is going to be probably a close outcome on Tuesday what can republicans do to adjust for the future in georgia with democrats clearly on the march here yeah i mean first of all i think in terms of look, looking ahead at 2024 you're absolutely right i i firmly believe that georgia is going to be the deciding factor it's going to be the the battleground state you know, Florida is off the map. So really, when we're looking at the map, it's Arizona, it's Nevada, you know, it's Pennsylvania, and it's Georgia. And, you know, and I think that we saw in Arizona, uh, you know, and we saw in Pennsylvania, certainly, what happens when you put forward candidates who are not good, right? When, when, when they are not talking about issues that voters care about and can create that connection with voters. Um, That's so critically important in a state like Georgia, because your political success here lives and dies by what you do in Metro Atlanta. Um, You know, uh, obviously uh, in, in Fulton County, in Atlanta proper, in the city itself, you know, those are going to be overwhelmingly democratic strongholds, but in the Metro areas, there, it's increasingly diverse, right? We've got significant Hispanic population, significant Asian American population. Um, people that reach out to those voters, that talk to those voters, that run on issues uh, and have a record to run on um, will be very successful. And that's exactly what Brian Kemp was able to do. And, and you know, I, I think that's the model moving forward. You mentioned Arizona and Pennsylvania. Are you saying... Lake Masters and Dr. Oz weren't good Republican candidates. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying they, they may n- have not been uh, the all-stars that some people thought they were. So <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, final question, which I ask every Georgian. Should you get rid of the runoff? Or is the runoff good oh, for democracy and good for the state? I mean, to do this with so much more money, and so yeah. just dragging voters through the process another six weeks or four weeks, you know, they shortened it. Should the runoff stay? I, I think it's definitely a conversation that needs to happen. Uh, I think, um, you know, and, and I think it needs to be a conversation that both parties, right. Talk about, uh, in the state. What I will say is I, I think if we do that, we also need to, to look at, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but we also need to look at the role these third party candidates, uh, play, and what are the qualifying thresholds 
to get on the ballot. Because again, um, you, you know, you could, Senator Warnock may argue this, Herschel's campaign could argue this. Absent a third party libertarian candidate who had absolutely no chance of winning, this thing may, it may be a moot point. Yeah. So I think that that's got to be part of the conversation in this. Absolutely. It's a fascinating question. It looks like we're going to have runoffs till the end of time in Georgia if 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 they keep them. And I don't really know. I've I've gotten mixed answers on who who people think it benefits having a runoff going another round. Obviously, you know, if there wasn't a runoff in 2021, better for Republicans. Right? Or 2020, I mean. Um, yeah. So well, it, yeah, it, I mean, it's, could... it's, but, but now, you know, Warnock probably doesn't want the runoff cause he finished ahead. So these races are so close that you could argue, depending on the cycle, it benefits one party or the other. So true. And people forget, um, you know, that David Perdue beat John Ossoff by 85,000 votes right. in November, 2020. Right. And he was extremely close from avoiding a runoff, but got dragged into it. And, you know, here we are sitting here talking about it still two years later. So, right. um, yeah, I think you can argue both sides. But I, look, I think it's definitely a conversation that, that we need to have. Stephen Lawson, Georgia Republican strategist and president and CEO of Battleground Strategies. Thanks for coming on Too Close to Call. Thanks, David.